What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LSD Experience. I am D. Anthony. That is Lucas right there. How have you been, bro? Oh, man, I've been good as always about yourself. I've been good. I've been good. Thank you. So, um, before we get into anything, I want to first ask everybody who's watching, go on and smack that like button. It does a lot for us. Also, if you're new here, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so that you can, you know, get notified whenever we upload new stuff hit the notification bell that'll also help with that also comment down below what other things you want us to talk about in future episodes but now that we got all of that out of the way you know it's a tradition have you learned anything new this week i didn't learn nothing all right bro well that's two weeks now since we started that you didn't learn nothing new. I know. So, I know. So next week we're we're expecting two. A do a a deuce a a, a, deuce. a twofer. Yep, we're well, expecting right. a twofer next week. Right. Okay, well since you didn't know nothing new this week, get out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so this week I thought we would talk about moments that changed history. Good one. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Oh, I'm I'm excited. Oh yeah. I got I got, I got one or two that I think might uh really rock your Socks. Okay, cool. Rock your socks. I know. I'm not gonna lie. I was trying to think of <laughs> something, and I was just like, nothing's coming out. It's all good. Okay. So the first one that I wanted to talk about was a very simple mistake that ended up changing this guy's life forever. Okay. So in 2003, this guy named Leonardo, I don't know how to say this name right here, so I'm gonna put it on the screen, was arrested for masterminding the largest heist in the history of the world. Check this out. So, he was arrested for being the mastermind behind the Antwerp diamond heist. So, it's crazy, right? So, they broke into this vault that had $100 million worth of diamonds in it, right? But the only way into the vault was through this back, like, alleyway type thing that had over 20, like, top-level security things that you had to, like, get through, right? It was like... uh sonar detection it was like some lasers and um it was like um it had like seismic detection or like you know the stuff they use to detect earthquakes and stuff basically just to see if there's like anyone if there's stepping. any footsteps at all right there was also doppler radar which is used for like storms and stuff there was also like lasers and uh there was a lock once you got to the end that had 100 million possible combinations right Oh, by the way, it also had infrared heat detection. So, you know, there's not like it was thought to be absolutely impossible to enter this vault without like having access to it. Right. So it's crazy because there was just this random guy who lived in like in back in the backwoods somewhere right off of this interstate. And to be honest, he was kind of like a Karen because he would always call the cops and report somebody that people would dump their trash. So it was very common for people to like dump their trash off in the side of the woods over here because there's nothing. Mm -hmm. And he would get so upset about it. So he'd call the cops and be like, yo, somebody dumped their trash again. Right. But he would go through it to try to figure out who did it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when he went through it, he ended up finding a uh, sandwich that was half eaten. He found a bunch of like normal trash, but he also found some envelopes from this bank that were like ripped up really tiny right and so when he called the cops he was like yeah like there's a bunch of trash here it's like a half-eaten sandwich and blah 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 explaining everything and then he was like and then there's these antwerp uh diamond envelopes that are all ripped up and that caught the cops oh they were like hold on 
<laughs> yeah. There's what? Wait, what was that? What was the last part again? Yeah. So then they were like, okay, well, we're on our way. We will help you get to the bottom of this, yeah. right? So they they head on over. They ended up going through it, and then they were like, okay, well, these are the envelopes that were in the vault. Mm-hmm. So the only person that has this has something to do with this heist, right? The sandwich, they got DNA. So they ended up tracking this guy's DNA from the sandwich, and he ended up getting sentenced to 10 years in prison. I know it's not that much, but he never turned on his his homie, so they're still out free with all that money and he's probably good now too because he got out probably i mean it was 2003 so yeah, he got out yeah, like a decade ago like a, yeah 10 years ago but yeah no i mean it's just that tiny little mistake of like oh, i won't finish this sandwich let me throw it in the trash yeah. and then throw it on the side like he could if he went a mile down the road and threw it there it probably never would have been caught yeah it's crazy little instances that's insane yeah crazy story so speaking of a small mistake that changed someone's life, mm-hmm. you know World War One. Yeah. Okay. You know. Of course. You know who Archduke Franz Ferdinand is? No idea. Okay. So Archduke Franz Franz Ferdinand was the heir to the Austrian Hungarian Empire. Okay. So Franz went down there to the capital Sar- Sarajevo, I believe, and uh. So, you know, he's going, there's supposed to be a parade, you know, trying to lift their spirits, be like, hey, it's it's good, it's fine to be under our control, you right. know? And so they're just going, going through this little parade, and there's these Serbian nationalists called the Black Hand. Crazy name. Already right? sounds terrifying, okay. They were upset with the situation that was going on, and so they wanted to make a difference. And so they tried to, they so they tried to take him and his wife out. So one of them standing in the crowd chucked an explosive at the car. The driver swerved out the way. The bomb or the explosive went behind the car, exploded. But the Archduke or Franz and his wife and the driver, they all got out and they made it back to, I think, City Hall to safety. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you know, we should get you out of here. You know, could put you in like a secure location. But he was like, no, no, I want to go to the hospital. I want to visit these people that were hurt in the explosion. Yeah. You know, he felt a little bit responsible. He wanted to go check on them. Mm -hmm. And I believe one of his uh, associates was also in there injured as well. So he wanted to go and check on them. Right. And on the way there, they were driving. You know, they've never been to the city before. The driver hasn't. So he took one wrong turn and he stopped in front of the shop. Guess who walks out that shop? The guy who threw the bomb. No, one of his cons- one of his buddies though. Oh man! So one of his buddies was in that shop yeah. eating a sandwich. You know, all sad because their plan didn't yeah, go. Yeah, didn't good. work out. Right. Yeah, and but he walks out, sees friends and his wife yeah. right there. He he just sees him. Is like, oh my gosh! Bam, bam, two shots, one each. Takes wow. him out, and you know he was obviously arrested and taken down and everything. Yeah. But they both. uh Passed away within like I think an hour after the wow. incident. Wow! All because and, he didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And, and so what happened is because of that, it was like Germany sided with Austria Hungary. Yeah, and they were against Serbia, but Russia was Russia was partners with Serbia, so they were like, "No, you can't mess with Serbia." So Russia joined the war. Yeah. Then France and Russia are allies, so now France joins the war. Then Germany declares war on them, and them. Uh, or the Germany declares war on like France and Russia, and since yeah. France is one of Great Britain's uh, or the UK's allies, then they declared war on Germany and everyone, wow. and that's how the First World War happened. Just because one wrong turn on a street happened to be right at that shop where that wow. guy was at. That's crazy. 
and that literally like I think nine million lives lost because of one wrong turn. Wow, bro. That's insane. When you look at it like that and you take every little like decision that was made and you backtrack it all the way to that, that's crazy. That small little decision. Mm -hmm. He was was probably just like when he decided not to leave, right? He was probably like, should I leave? Nah, I'm going to go see the people at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like a, like a, you know? It's a good choice. uh, Like objectively, it is the right choice to do. Right. But- it's not the way the world it's not the way the world always works. Yeah, that's crazy. So speaking of like leaders that came into power, right? I know it's kind of a weird segue, but just hear me out, right? So think about this. You know, in 2000, George Bush was elected the president of the United States, but he was only elected the president of the United States because Florida was so close that they could not decide who had won. The presidency, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was like I think Al Gore had like two fifty and Bush had like two forty seven, right? Mm-hmm. And Florida was like two like twenty seven points or something. So whoever won Florida mm-hmm. won the presidency because you have to get to two seventy. Mm-hmm. So after the first night, it was so close mm-hmm. that no one was elected. They were like, "We can't call this. Mm-hmm. This is down to a matter of like a couple hundred votes." We're going to have to wait. Florida is notorious for always being late on submitting their ballots, right? So it was like 30-something days before a president was elected. And a lot of the American people were very upset because Al Gore had won the popular vote, which means Al Gore had gotten more votes countrywide by like 550,000 votes, right? So he had a huge margin of people who actually voted for him, but the U S Supreme court decided we're not going to allow a recount because it's going to take too long or whatever. Right. It was like five to four, which gave Bush the presidency. All right. So think about this. So a year after that would happen, Mm -hmm. USA today released a recount that they did. They hired a private like company to recount all of those ballots. Right. Check this out. This is crazy. When they recounted these ballots, they determined that if all of those ballots would have been counted like they should have been, Mm -hmm. Al Gore would have won by three votes. Three votes? Three votes, bro. Three votes. That's crazy. Three three total people. Like, three individual humans would have determined the president of the United States had the recount been uh instated so anyways yeah i think though not just that oh i'm sorry no 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 Uh, yeah i think not just that but like think about like this say al gore did become president right we might not gone to war in the middle east so this is what i'm getting into hold on you're getting ahead of me okay okay, so so if al gore had won that presidency by those three votes which would have been by far and away the slimmest margin ever in the history of you know, the U S nine 11 happened nine months into, um, George Bush's presidency. Right. And a lot of people say nine 11 may not have happened because what happens when a new president is elected, he then picks all of the leaders of his, uh, of the CIA and, and like the, um, international, like 
defense ministers and all of this stuff, right? All of that has to go into the elected president picks those people. Well, we didn't have a, an elected president for however long it took. And so by the time that Bush did end up getting the nomination, they had to play catch up, right? They're, now they're against the clock at this point. And so because of that, a lot of people believe that a lot of information was overlooked about threats from the Middle East or threats from Osama bin Laden, right? And so 9-11 may have never happened had Al Gore been elected president. Also, a lot of people dislike George Bush because of a lot of the things that his dad did when he was president. And so some people say that 9-11 was, was done because of who was the sitting president, right? And so if Al Gore was then president, that wouldn't have happened, which then means we wouldn't have gone to war, right? Which then means the economy probably doesn't crash in 2008, right? Also think about this. If Al Gore wins in 2000, he's probably reelected in Obama 2004. Obama might not been elected because they flip. Usually, especially yeah. with a double term president, they yeah. usually flip. Yep. So he would have been a double term president. He would have ran 2000. In 2004, he would have left office in 2008, right? In the history of America, there has never been a president from the same party after a sitting. So if a president is president for eight years, yeah, a president from his same party has never been elected as president, right? Ever. And so what would have happened is Al Gore from 2000 to 2008, and then... It, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney in 2012. And then probably maybe, I mean, it's, it's, it's at that point, it's hard to tell, right? But let's just say Obama in, in uh, 2016 through 2024, uh-huh. we would have had no Trump, no, no Biden. Also, the the climate of of uh, politics would have been completely different. Yeah. Uh, not so much hatred toward the other party. It's just it's just crazy to think like how the I mean. Also, uh, Al Gore was super known for his like climate change. Yes, that was his whole thing. Was yes. like climate change is real. And we need to get on top of it, right? And so Hurricane Katrina happened in two thousand and five, and so. I mean, there's no way to say that Hurricane Katrina wouldn't have happened. It probably still would have happened. But he would have used that as his ammo to say, look, I told you. Yeah. Like, we and so need there's to get no, on this. there's no telling where we would be right now. We may not have gas-powered cars anymore. Like, there's no telling where we could have been. All because of three votes. Three votes. It's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. So speaking about the politics and everything that we were just discussing, it made me think about, you know, the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Do you want to hear about the screw up in it that a politician made that caused it to come down? Sure. Okay. This guy's name is Gunter Schabowski, and he was an East German official whenever Berlin was still split and down the middle by the Berlin Wall. Whenever World War II ended and we were divvying up parts of Germany and stuff. Uh, Berlin itself was cut down the middle with, on the east side, the Soviets controlled it. On the west side, the west. It was like the UK, France, and America, I believe. 
And this went on for years and years, decades actually. Yeah. Up until like the 90s. Which is crazy if you really think yeah, about it. Yeah, because that was, of that how progressive ge- Germany is now. Well, yes, that and also the fact that that wasn't really that long ago, man. No, I know. And Germany is like a world leader now in a lot of categories. To think that they were such a divided nation, like a couple years before we were born, I is know. crazy. It's yeah. insane. But, uh, and they were restricting travel in and out because all the people in East Berlin were like using West Berlin as a way to get out of Soviet controlled yeah. Germany. Mm hmm. And tensions were really getting high, and so they were trying to figure out a way to, like, ease tensions. And so they were trying to release a press—they were doing a press release basically saying that you—basically easing travel. Like, you can come and go between East and West Berlin, free access. You don't have to have, like, a family member over there, or they basically— Yeah, you can just come and go as you please. Exactly. Right. The thing is, he had just woken up and like, you know, he was still kind of blurry and they, they hand him this piece of paper right when he walked into the meeting. So he's just reading it. And one of the reporters jumped up and asked him, like, when does this go into effect? Because this is crazy. This is like life changing for a lot of people. And it said, like, immediately without delay. The thing is, it was actually supposed to be like a couple days mm-hmm. because they still had to wait for the offices to open up to like yeah, get yeah. these people all their papers and stuff. But because of that, him because of him saying that, it spread to all the news networks. All these people heard about it. And so, like, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were all storming these walls and trying to get through. And all these uh, military people, you know, guards and stuff, they're like... Well, he said it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're like, they're not getting direct orders from up top. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, all these people here. And what are they going to do? Not let them through? And so they slowly start letting him through, and then people just start breaking the wall apart, and then it eventually crumbles. All because one guy messed up and read something yeah. that, or read something on li- on live that he didn't get a chance to read o- read over beforehand. That's crazy, bro. That's actually an insane story to think that that country is now where it's at because of this guy just being sleepy and like not really listening all the way. That's crazy. So another one I wanted to talk about is a moment that changed the world completely from just one single incident. Okay. Okay. So have you ever heard of John Walsh? No. Okay. I've heard of John Wick. Nope. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, So John Walsh is known as the host of America's Most Wanted, right? Have you ever seen that show? It's like this guy and he's like, Today on America's Most Wanted. Yeah, I remember. Oh my gosh. Yes. And he would tell these crazy stories. And then it's like, at the end, he's like, at the end of the story, he's like, if you have information that could lead to the arrest of blah, 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 you can. And I remember when we were kids, you had five, like five channels and that came on like every night. Yep. And it was a, it was a banger. I think it introduced a lot of like true crime lovers today Mm -hmm. into the true crime world. Right. So. John Walsh ended up in that position because of years before that, a very tragic situation happened to him and his family. So John Walsh was the father of this kid named Adam Walsh, right? Adam Walsh was a six-year-old and they lived in Hollywood, Florida. So one day in 1981, Adam was with his family at a Sears, right? And they were just shopping, whatever, right? Well, they turn around and Adam's gone. So obviously they like freak out. They're looking for him everywhere and he's nowhere to be found. So obviously panic sets in. His mom and his grandma are like looking everywhere for him, right? 
they uh eventually go and talk to the store owners and they do like a call for him every like 10 to 15 minutes but after about an hour and a half passed and nobody like he, he was never found they finally ended up calling the cops who then came and did like this whole thing this whole this thing like got pretty big right and he he wasn't found 16 days later they ended up finding remains from adam in a like sewage drain right and it, it was only a very specific part of his body that was found and the rest of him was never located um and so john ended up taking this super hard as you could imagine any father would um and so he started a life of like finding the bad guy and figure helping people figure out what happened to their kids and stopping this from happening. That then became from that moment on his life's work, right? So there was this thing that was eventually implemented, which is still implemented today called code Adam. When there's a code Adam, I want to read you the list of things that happen. So if a visitor reports a child is missing, a, a detailed description of the child and what they were wearing is obtained. This one's, this part's crazy. Specifically, what color or type of shoes the child is wearing due to how in department stores and other stores selling clothes, it's easy to change a child's clothes, but far harder to find different shoes. I thought that was a cool uh, little thing that they added in there. Additionally, all exterior accesses to the building are locked down and monitored. Anyone approaching the door is turned away. Uh, employee go to the nearest in-house telephone and pages code Adam. Description of the child's physical features and clothing as designated employees monitor front entrance. Other employees begin to look for the child. If the child is not found within 10 minutes, law enforcement is notified. Remember, I told you it took them 90 minutes before they eventually called the cops. If the child is found, is found and appears to be to have been lost or unharmed, the child is reunited with his parents or legal guardian. If child is found accompanied by someone other than the legal parent or guardian, reasonable efforts to delay their departure will be used without putting the child, staff, or visitors at risk. Law enforcement will be notified and given the details of the person accompanied the child. The Code Adam page will be terminated only when the child is found or when law enforcement arrives. So this is something that was first implemented at Walmart, but now it's in like, I think, I think it said like 40,000 stores across just the U S it's like Kmart wow. has this now Walmart has it. Target has it like all of the big retailers that you can think of use code Adam. I mean, as they should. You yeah. Know? And, and then in 2003, the U S government made it so that all, all government agency buildings now have to use code Adam as well. And so to think that that all came from the, I mean, it's a very tragic story, right? But at least if you are John Walsh, you can say like, I didn't lose my son for nothing. This has helped millions and millions of, of children around the world. And, uh, yeah, it's just, Not I just mean, it's awful. Too, their parents, so they never have to experience yeah. that. Yep. Terrible situation. But at least with this one, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We usually don't get that, but yeah. yeah. This real-life Titanic story will blow your mind. So this guy, David Blair, had the biggest work mess-up in history. So originally, he was supposed to be the second officer on the Titanic, right? Okay. Right? Unsinkable ship. Mm -hmm. And, like, days before they're supposed to leave, 
he gets switched out for someone else. I think he gets like, oh, fired. And so he's leaving, packing up his stuff, gone. He doesn't realize until after the ship has already left, he still has his work keys with him. Mm -hmm. And on those work keys is, uh, is the key to the locker on the crow's nest where the binoculars are. And because of that, there were no other binoculars that the people on the crow's nest could use. And people think, uh, well, not just people. There was, uh, there was a guy that worked on the crow's nest that actually survived the Titanic sinking. And he said if they had had those binoculars, they could have averted it. They wow. could have averted it. Uh, like dodged the... The iceberg. Wow. A and uh, it's crazy, too, because it was like the worst conditions for them possible. Because there no waves, very calm seas, right? Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, that'd be great, right? But because of that, you can't see or hear the waves hitting the iceberg. I'm pretty sure it was a new moon, so there wasn't really like moonlight coming yeah. down. And they also believe that at some point, a part of the iceberg had like come off and it... So it made it uneven, so it tipped over, and that bottom part that was in the water, it has so much water in it, it's still darker, so it even, like, camouflaged it better. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's the story of one that's of the world's crazy. biggest work mess-ups. All because he still had the key to the binocular. Wow. That's insane, bro. And because of that, it affected not just the Titanic sinking, but it made them put radios and communication equipment as like a main thing in like every single ship yeah. and like multiple parts. It, 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 uh, what do you see? It advanced. Yeah. Telecommunications a lot. That's crazy. Well, I think that that is all I have. You have anything else? No, I think that's it, man. I think that was a great episode. Uh, thank you guys all. If you made it to this part of the video, you're officially LSD gang. Um, make sure to smash that like button. If you like the video, if not hit the dislike, that's cool too. Also, make sure to comment down below any video ideas you might have. We're running out of stuff. Come on, guys. Like, help us out. Nobody ever comments anything that we can watch. So, do that. Also, make sure to smash that sub button. We are so close to 15K. Help us get there. And I think that's it. If you were watching on Spotify or Apple Music or any of the other uh, DSPs that you listen to podcasts or music on, make sure to hit that like button, too. Also, there is a section for you guys to comment anything you want us to talk about. So, I think that's it. We love you guys, and we will see you next week. Peace out.